Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. Hi, I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And welcome to The Common Rounds. So um, uh, we're continuing our talk on the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't listened to uh, the previous episode, we highly encourage you to go back and have a listen because we set the foundation. Mm-hmm. So in our previous episode, we talked about how we actually perceive light. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we're going to say, we're going to talk about, you know, what happens once the... Um, the um, Ganglion cells? Yeah, the optic nerve or cranial nerve yeah. um, 2 brings that information into the brain. Yeah. So, the information comes from the ganglion cells, which form the optic nerve. Yeah. And then what happens with the optic nerve from a, um, the pathway perspective in the brain? Okay. So, the optic nerves will come out of each eye. Mm-hmm. And then you need to... Uh, what happens is that they'll split into two halves. Yeah. One is called the nasal half. Yes. The, the half of that's closest to your nose. And yep. the other half is called the temporal half, which is the closer to the side or, that's or right. where your ear is. And Okay. So, what happens is the nasal half will cross on either side mm-hmm. and the temporal side the temporal half of the nerve will actually remain on the same side yeah. and so what happens is that they'll cross as this place called the optic chiasm yes and so then the the nerves that come out from the optic chiasm contains information from both eyes yeah and mm-hmm. really another structure associated with the optic chiasm is the pituitary so if you have a pituitary tumor for example that mm-hmm. can compress those nerves that mm-hmm. are crossing over and then that can lead to visual loss a very key distinctive physical exactly loss. yeah it's very interesting mm-hmm. um now what happens then is that so once the uh, the fibers cross over they can go to the thalamus which is a you know the sensory relay half yeah. of, of the brain yeah um the particular nucleus involved is a lateral geniculate nucleus so what yes. I remember, I remember uh, that is L for light. L for light. Um, and not only that, some of the fibers can go to the superior colliculi, which are important for reflexes, yes. which we'll talk about. Near uh, the midbrain, I think it was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pretectal area as well, which is also another important reflex area. Yeah. And the suprachiasmatic um, nucleus, which is important for circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. So that's what tells your um, uh, body whether it's actually nighttime or daytime. For example, that's in the hypothalamus. Hypothalamus. And I think our iPhones and our various phone devices mm-hmm. at nighttime is probably messing with the system quite that's a true. lot. Yep. Now, what happens... Let's say, let's focus on the thalamus, I think, because when we talk about the reflexes, we'll talk about some of those other pathways. Yes. What happens from the sort of the lateral geniculate? I think there are key radiations that occur. Yes. What, what are they? So from the thalamus, or the, the lateral geniculate nucleus, they get projected to where your primary visual cortex mm-hmm. is, and that's located in your occipital lobe. Yep. And what you need to know about this for a bit of a more advanced level is that you need to know that they split off into two kinds of loops. You've got an upper loop and a lower loop, mm-hmm. and they transmit different types of information. Yeah. One of the key ones is information from your lower retina or your um, upper visual field mm-hmm. is that that information goes through this loop called the Myers loop yep. that goes in the, that is a lower loop. So mm-hmm. that loops underneath and through the temporal lobe and that goes to the lingual gyrus. Yep. Um, whereas upper your information from your upper retina, which contains information from your lower visual Can field. you explain this, um, why this is... Oh, this is of, very confusing. Yeah, because it took me a while to get my head around. I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you, but I think it's really okay. important to make that distinction. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll go through that now then. So from a physics point of view, because of your lenses... Information from what you see, what we perceive as up in the upper visual field actually reaches the lower retina. Because of the way the light travels. Exactly. Yeah, and interesting. Information from, like, so light from the lower visual field through the lens actually hits the top part of our retina. Yeah. So everything we see in our eye is flipped upside down. Exactly. And everything, uh, and once you know that, the upper loop in the radiation that we're talking about, just mm-hmm. that optic radiation, contains information from your lower visual field. Yep. And um, information from the uh, the from the upper loop would contain 
your visual, your lower visual field. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you mentioned, so you sent information on the operator now, which receives, actually receives information from the lower visual field, yep. travels through the parietal, the optic radiations that are associated with that retin- yep. uh, retinal region, yep. gets that information, goes through the parietal, and yep. the sign of the cuneus gyrus. gyrus, isn't it? Yes. Now, we haven't mentioned what these gyruses are, so let's briefly yep. talk about where they are. So what, actually, where is the visual cortex in, in uh, the brain? Occipital lobe, I think. Yeah. Yep. And I think if you have a look, there's the calcarine fissure in the occipital lobe. Mm-hmm. And above that is the cuneus gyrus. Yeah. And below that fissure is the lingual gyrus. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, if you have a look at the way the, the visual cortex works, the visual, um, the more peripheral vision is deeper in the brain. Uh, occipital cortex mm-hmm. and the more superficial or, or the more central sorry yep, central. the more central vision is yep. actually closer to the, the occipital pole yep. and posterior. so yep. yeah, exactly the, the more posterior portion of the occipital pole so that's another key thing to remember in terms of how the brain perceives like I think this is a really complicated area and I think I've, we've had a chat together mm. and it's out of my comfort area and I really don't feel comfortable talking about it mm. but if you, I think if you have a look at any good mm. neuroanatomy text it might shed some light um, okay. about it yeah yeah can I ask you though, Andy, yeah. what would happen if I had, let's say, a stroke of my temporal lobe mm. from a visual point of view? Okay, so temporal lobe... Sorry to put you on the side. Okay, so, so let's just try to work this out logically. So what happens is that with your temporal lobe, it's going to contain the, um, the information that was from the lower loop. From yeah. the Myers loop, yep. Yep, and that lower loop or the Myers loop contains... So since it's on the lower portion, it actually contains your upper visual field information. Perfect. So what happens is that you will lose your upper visual field yeah. information. And um, once, if you draw it out, you're going to realize that on your on one side of your brain, it contains the opposite side's um, visual information. Yeah. So if you if you have like, let's say a, um, a, a stroke in one side, of your lower, let's say a Myers loop, you actually lose mm-hmm. only a quarter, a quarter of your visual field. But I think what to make this whole process a lot easier is we can probably um, draw it out, and I think we'll we'll look into producing yeah. some kind of video or some sort of um, visual media to help to help actually yeah. explain this a lot more clearly. It, yeah, I mean, it sounds it's very, I mean, it's really hard to describe it. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is to re- recognize that there mm-hmm. are. The optic radiation divides into the parietal, which brings up information from the upper visual area, um, visual area, mm-hmm. and the the miser, which goes through the temporal lobe, and it brings up information from the um the, the lower retina, yep. which is the upper visual field. Yes, very confusing. Yep. Um, I'm sorry if this has confused you guys a little bit, but if you look at the diagram of Jorah, it really does make sense. Yep. and just um maybe listen to us in a, a bit slower. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. Mm. Do you want to quickly talk about the blood supply as well? Sure. Okay, so the blood supply ref- re- to the eye receives um, is received through the ophthalmic artery, yeah. and I think that's a branch of the internal carotid artery, yeah. um, which we mentioned a while ago. And a it, an occlusion of the ophthalmic artery can mm-hmm. cause temporary blindness. Yes, yeah, and I think there's a transient disorder, yeah. isn't it? It's called a amaurosis fugar. Yeah, it's yeah. a, a type of transient mm. ischemic attack. We'll talk about transient um, ischemic attack in the future mm. now let's finish up by talking about visual acuity we tried to explain it in our last but I don't think we captured it so, hit it quite hard take two right? take two so this okay. is our second opportunity to redeem ourselves okay. so we mentioned okay. that the phobia is an area rich in cones yep. and that phobia is located within a very important area of the eye called the macula yes now we mentioned about why you get blind spots but, but why do you actually let's recap why that's the case okay so from 
all of your retina has uh, these ganglion cells that transmit information yep. and these are the, the axons leave the eye at this central spot called the blind spot or the optic disc. So they kind of penetrate through the retina, don't they? To yes. go into, and so if there's, oh, true. Yeah, if there's no retina there, there's no coins or rods, so there's no vision. I think that's the way I remember it. Exactly. And I think it's about 15 oh. degrees away from, um, uh, from the phobia, phobia as well. Um, so you look at a good diagram that explain, that shows you these degrees. Yeah. But you know, why is you know why does the macula have really good perception let's say compared to rods there's something going on isn't there mm. from what, the, what about it what, what is it so i think um the, the way i remember is that uh, and i think we tried to mention it in our last episode is that mm. in this area there are far higher percentages of ganglion, uh, ganglion cells so firstly there are far more nerve inputs going into it so i think there's about you know 1.3 million ganglions or something mm. and the phobia and or and the macula really that two millimeter region around the phobia accounts for 25 percent of that so firstly there's more inputs coming in okay, yeah. and the second thing is that a lot of that input is on a one-to-one so the photoreceptors and the bipolar yeah, attached to the bipolar cells innovate one ganglion cells so from like a pixel imagine a camera yep. you're literally getting that pixel going um, into the brain very as specific. opposed to yeah like 10 pixels from one input yep. so that's why it's really important and let's talk, finish off by talking about you know how we measure blindness or how we describe blindness so what mm. like you know we often hear about pilots having 20-20 vision yep. or if you're in Australia it's 6-6-6 which is yep. in the meters form what does that number mean? okay so 2020 or 66 refers 2020 to... 2020 is feet, isn't it? 2020 is in feet yeah. and 66 is in meters. And so since we're from Australia, I'm just yeah. going to talk in 66. Yeah. Okay. So what it means is just talking about comparing what your patient is seeing compared to someone who has perfect or someone who has normal vision. Yeah. Okay. The first number, six, or like the six slash something refers to what the patient can see and mm-hmm. you always measure the patient's visual acuity from a chart that is six meters away yep snail's chart yeah. yeah and then the second number refers to what a normal person should be able to the distance a normal person should be able to read that said letter uh the distance from that chart a normal person could read that said yeah. letter so let's say it's, if it's six and in the definition of legal blindness in australia is i think 660 okay. so what does that mean so 660 the first number we talked refers to the patient so that means that the patient can read this letter from six meters. Yep. Whereas the second letter is 60, which that means is that a normal person can read that same letter from 60 meters away. So that the vision is really... So it must be the person, if you look at the snippets, they must be only be able to read the first big letter. Yeah. And they might not, they're probably not able to read anything as well. Mm. There's another step further where you actually, if the patient can't even read the snail's chart, you just see, can they perceive light? Or can they see your fingers? Or can they see moving things as well? So that's a... You know, that's very poor vision. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. So we talked about um, conduction and bringing of the fiber visual into the brain. We talked about visual acuity. Mm-hmm. And we'll, in our next episode, we'll talk about the reflexes and finish off the topic. Exactly. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer, Gautam, and our core editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.